Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, welcome to Socks on Tap. Tony, I, I, my first reaction is just, fuck yes, let's go. Socks versus Detroit. That's, that's where it all starts. Because it all starts taking care of business in-house in the Central Division. That's right, I'm a meatball. You gotta bring that top button swag, baby. It is always great to beat the Cubs. And I'm a homer, so I always say they're gonna. Dallas Keiko Lampson got some beards that you should be afraid of. What everybody said when he gets out there, it's me versus the other guy, and I'm gonna beat him. So I just love that mentality. It's cool and fucking tough. Steve, Steve, would you say that Tony is mad online? I, I would definitely say that. The White Sox winner. Hello, White Sox fans, and welcome into a Sunday fun day edition of the Sox on Tap show. This is Tony Marchese alongside NWI Steve. It's already been a, a fantastically long weekend for the both of us, Stephen. How are you feeling, man? Hey, yo, Anthony. Um, we had ourselves a day yesterday at the ballpark. We're going to get into some of that and some of the shenanigans that ensued. So dragging ass a little bit today. And uh, one thing I will say, ain't no party like a socks on tap party. That that is that is very uh very true, Steve. Let's say it's hashtag confirmed. It was uh an excellent party uh last night, and we will uh like Steve said get into that one. But we've also got some some winning and losing White Sox baseball to talk about. We haven't been with you in a couple of days. We were doing some some partying. We were doing some some work um, on our new website on tapsportsnet.com, now part of Sports Illustrated Media Network. Brand new site design. Go check it out at ontapsportsnet.com. Steve, it's been a it's been a busy busy couple of days here at Ontap Sportsnet, and it's great to be back on these airwaves. And you know, I know we didn't get the win today, but. We get to talk about taking two out of three from the Twins, and that feels pretty good overall, I would say, especially because we're dragging ass today a little bit. And I would imagine that uh, some White Sox were dragging ass a little bit after the adrenaline rush of a game that it was last night, especially knowing that we were in attendance too, Steve. They, they had to give that little bit extra uh, when you get that many fine folks uh, into the ballpark at one time, Steve. So let's get into it. Let's get into it. Friday's ball game, Steve. You were there. You were there as Confirmed. well at that one. Uh, let's let's talk a little bit about the Joe Kelly opener experience. Well, before we get to that specifically, obviously coming into this series here, um, there was a high level of importance placed on this, knowing that the Sox were two games behind Minnesota. And a wise man once said, Sox versus the Twins, that's where it all starts. And that's where it all started. Friday night. So Mr. Joe Kelly, the decision to utilize him as the opener. Um, a lot of contrasting opinions on twitter.com relating to the use of the opener. It is obviously not something that um, if you were born, you know, probably before the year 1990, you're probably not a huge fan of. Um, but the fact of the matter is there are a lot of teams out there that will utilize it. And, I think the particular application of it Friday, knowing that uh, Davis Martin was going to be on the mound, trying to limit his exposure to the likes of Luis Arise, Carlos Correa, 
um, and the meat of the Minnesota Twins order, it was a sound decision. Now, the idea of utilizing Joe Kelly is one that we can obviously debate because let's just be honest with ourselves here. Joe Kelly is, how you say, not good. So you basically put the team in a 2-0 hole right out of the chute there in the first inning. Um, typical Joe Kelly fashion, just going out there, not throwing strikes, falling behind in counts, issuing walks, and then gives up a big hit. Next thing you know, there's a crooked number on the board, and the boys got to find a way to fight back from it. Yeah, I mean, Steve, uh, you know, I, I was going to cut you off there and say I was – I think I was born after 1990, and I'm, I'm not exactly a big opener guy. However, when it's done correctly with, you know, maybe not Joe Kelly – I mean, I think I texted you when I saw this and I said, that's a choice that, that was made there. That was a choice that was made to go with Joe Kelly. And obviously you're in the ballpark there, Steve. You're probably not liking what you saw in that first. I certainly was not. Um, what's one thing that I preach on this show each and every night? Strike one. strikes. Yeah. Strike one. Get ahead. Stay ahead. Not exactly Joe Kelly's forte. And if you look at it statistically, uh, teams that score first win, I want to say about two-thirds of all games across the league this year. So when you are out there in a position, when you give up a crooked number in that first inning, you're putting yourself behind the eight ball a little bit. So, you know, I would have loved to have seen somebody else in that particular spot there. I think ideally, if you have... You know, I, I always kind of thought maybe a guy like Aaron Bummer could be pretty well utilized in that particular spot because then you could do some things to kind of mess with some of the platoon splits and uh, try to take advantage of some handedness issues here. But obviously Bummer isn't there right now. They don't have another left-handed reliever that you can really trust in that spot unless you want to, you know, utilize Jake Diekman in there. But again, I almost feel like that's kind of a spot similar to Joe Kelly because Diekman has not inspired a great deal of confidence um, over the last seven to 10 days or so. So the idea again, of just Joe Kelly being the guy out there, it was, it was a battle for him to just get those three outs. I'm sitting in there as the bases are loaded and Nick Gordon's coming to the plate. I'm thinking to myself, is Davis Martin going to have to come in here right away in the first inning? And then this whole idea and this whole strategy that you put in place is going to just blow up in your face miserably. And then you're going to see a lot of mouth breathers on twitter.com saying, Oh, see you stupid opener. Look what happened here. Um, he was able to limit the damage, just give up those two runs and then uh, went from there. Yeah. I definitely would have been on, on Twitter, the, you know, saying how stupid the opener was, if that got any, any more ugly, uh, Steve, but, uh, I'm just, and that wasn't specifically directed towards you. I know, but you know, I just, I just want to throw myself in that, in that camp there because I didn't like the Joe Kelly move. It wasn't that I didn't like the opener. I just, yeah, we got our guy sailing in here right now. Uh, getting a first, getting in a first inning hole doesn't hashtag set the tone, it does not sell. That is that is confirmed. And hey, Anthony, know, real real quick here before before we go any further here, you know our guy Sal. He he's a, he's a longtime loyal listener yes. of, of the program here. And I got to tell you, you know, seeing that image there of the pepperoni pizza there, that just gives me some flashbacks to about one two o'clock in the morning here today. <laughs> yes, the pepperoni pizza does have to give me. It does give me some flashbacks. I had I had a lot of pepperoni pizza 
last night at about one or two in the morning. And that, that was also a choice. It was basically like putting Joe Kelly into that baseball game in the first inning. Um, and the, the, the results were pretty on par with each other. I would say Steve, um, the pepperoni pizza that I consumed yesterday and the Joe Kelly experience in the first inning wound up about the same. Um, moving on along this game, Steve, that, uh, that you attended, you attended, you were there. Uh, and, uh, there was a lot of fireworks, man. There was a lot of fireworks, especially at the end of this. Just for time's sake, let's get to the end of this ball game, Steve, on Friday. I think it's the most important thing. Just a couple other highlights that we can uh, take away as keynotes. I thought Davis Martin did well. Um, you know, there was there was some offense to be had, but the, I, I want to fast forward to the ninth inning. Yeah, listen. Andrew Vaughn goes out there, gets hit up in the shoulder. Second time in about, what, two, two and a half weeks or so, he's gotten hit high and tight. So he was, you know, visibly upset by it and seemed to be making some comments. And it didn't, at least to me, when I went back and kind of watched things when I got home later that evening, it didn't seem as though they were necessarily directed towards um, Lopez on, on the twins here. And he took exception to that and decided to start barking out at Andrew Vaughn about it. And immediately the very first person you see on that white Sox side of the dugout, getting ready to go out there and getting ready to start making some hay and standing up for his teammate, the fucking big bastard himself, Lance Lynn. There was, there was a close up shot of him as usually happens when Lance Lynn is involved saying, shut your fucking mouth. And that's a guy that's been through a lot of battles, time-tested veteran in this league. And he's a guy, he will go out there and he will have his teammates back. And you know that. And that was on full display. It absolutely was on full display. And I saw just the perfect, perfect, like, uh, you know, memification of this moment, Steve by by twitter uh and i think that uh it was definitely a turning point seeing our big guy lance lynn going out there i i do want to know what you thought of of lucas giolito and michael kopech alongside him i kind of need the breakdown of this because this also revealed something new to me which is michael kopech full handlebar mustache that he's got going on and I was sitting there thinking to myself, I mean, this is a crew riding in the battle, uh, but I need your breakdown of, of Lucas Giolito and Kopak right beside him and Cairo coming in there too. Yeah. L- listen, Lucas, or, or I'll start with Michael Kopak. Actually, Kopak is a guy that we have seen on a number of different occasions uh, can be very feisty. We've heard a couple of instances in the last uh, year and a half or so of him getting into some heated discussions with fans pre-game, post-game, over a couple of different things. So this is an emotional guy, and he definitely seems like the type of guy that he's almost kind of got that Texas football mentality about him of, you know, hey, we're we're all in this together, and I got your back, you got mine. So if somebody goes after one of my boys, there's going to be hell to pay. And uh, Lucas Giolito, you know, I think that's just, um, you know, for show. I mean, let's be real about this. Uh, Lucas Giolito – lives the pampered life and um, I have no confidence in him being a guy that um, if push came to shove that he would provide anything of value there, but you know, it looked good on TV. 
looks good on TV. Okay. All right. We got the breakdown, the full breakdown of, of, of this. After this uh, all ensues, Miguel Cairo gets himself tossed. Uh, I'm not exactly sure what happened there. There was some comments that were in the post game uh, that were made by Miguel uh, that kind of clarified that. Uh, and I believe he said that uh, you can't come back and, and argue. Uh, I forget what it was. It was something after that play. They wanted he wanted to review something, and they'd said no. And then he, you know, argued with them. And I guess you can't do that or something is is what he said. But I found it interesting that he was the only one that was tossed from that. Uh, the emotions were very high here, Steve. And then next batter, what happens? Well, you, another one. Well, you get you know you get Jose Abreu coming up there, and you think you get another hit by pitch to to end the thing, and the kind of funny celebration that ensued of Jose Abreu just kind of almost circling the bases, everybody chasing him around, only to have it overturned via replay because it it did um, at least hit the bat on on a ricochet. I mean, when I first saw the replay, I thought it was just a, a plain old strike, you know, like a a foul tip strike. Um, So did get overturned there. And ultimately Jose did have to get back into the batter's box. So there was, I think a high level of confusion amongst those of us in the ballpark. They're kind of like, well, what the fuck is going on here? Um, So, you know, then you get, you get a little bit of a break right there because if Jorge Lopez um, doesn't make an effort to field that ground ball, that's a routine Taylor made double play. And we're going to extras. So caught a little bit of a break right there. Absolutely did catch a break right there, Steve. Fireworks go off twice. Just magical. Jerry was Jerry was miserable about that. Jerry was Jerry was probably very upset on that one. But you know, I love fireworks and I love when I see Jerry's money up in smoke. Uh you know how I feel about that. Yes. Yes. Wins and home runs. Let's, let's celebrate those things. Steve, the, the lasting image in my mind from this game is going to be Lopez punching the ground um, on Friday night. And it, it felt so good to see because twins tears are just delicious. Aren't they? They are. They are. You know, I I've, I've got a bottle of them right here. Uh, they taste glorious. They, they provide hydration after you had a, a long night out with the boys when you have a couple, two, three dozen, pops and and you need to kind of replenish all of all the things inside of you that you uh lost from the day before so that's always good and um you know i i think i think twins ted i think some of his tears may have found their way into this bottle and they taste great they really do i i'm sure they do steve i'm i'm already back on the pops you know i i I told you earlier today that i was uh, uh you know committing to excellence so I will commit to excellence through this podcast uh, for uh, for an excellent product, so to speak, at the end of this, Steve. But you really enjoy those those TED tears. I know you do. You know, I mean, there, there are a few things in this world that really make me happier than the pain and the suffering of Minnesota Twins fans. It just – it brings – it just – elicits this warm and fuzzy feeling right here in my heart that there are just very few things can match that in this world for me. It's just, it's so refreshing and just inject more of it into my veins because it breathes life into me. 
And the White Sox did that on Saturday night, Steve. They absolutely did that on Saturday night. Where do I even start with this ball game? Where do I even start with this ball game? Because there was a lot more fireworks. A lot more fireworks were, were shot off at 35th and Shields last night. And we were there to witness them. That was a hell of a time, my friend. I mean, listen, we got the fireworks started at Casa de Marchese, you know, have, popping open a couple of two tree pops before we even hit the road. Uh, you have to set the tone on a big day like yesterday. And uh, knowing that we were going to be living just too sweet, so to speak, um, you have to set the tone. And I think we did that. And by the time we were able to emerge, into the suite yesterday, we were all primed. We were ready to go, and we were ready to go out there and put forth a quality effort, and we did not disappoint. No, we didn't. The suite was uh, was a rockin', and Dylan Cease was out on the mound doing just excellent things. Steve, we'll, we'll, we'll get to that in a second here. But it was really nice to see the White Sox set the tone yesterday in that first inning, Steve, once you break down what happened there in that first for our listeners, the big blow in that first inning there, there, the four run spot that they were able to put up the three run Homer off the bat of Aloy Jimenez. There's something that I've said a couple times during the course of the year about the ball going far, just a and, couple, two, three times, you know, and, and, and the impact that it has on the baseball team. And that was on full display. Everybody knows I love crooked numbers. So you put up a four spot coming off of the emotional win the night before. And you just go and you kick those sons of bitches right in the nuts right away. Letting them know, hey, you're fucked tonight. Just you might as well just sit there and take it because we ain't stopping. And it didn't stop. And that's what you want to see. No, it did not stop, Steve. And while we were consuming beverage upon beverage, uh, Dylan Cease goes eight and two-thirds innings without giving up a hit. And I just want to I want to go back to how things were. You know, we're all in a we're all in a big group. We're aligning people into the right superstitious spots before the start of that ninth inning. Just take me to your headspace there because it was surreal. It was absolutely surreal entering that ninth. So I've got a lot more experience in that particular situation. You do. Thankfully you do. Than, than a lot of other people do. So for our listeners out there, I am hashtag blessed to have been able to attend four no hitters in a perfect game. At this point in my life. So I, I know what this is all about. And you get to about the sixth inning or so. You realize what's going on. And you start to kind of do a little bit of personal inventory. Say, okay, what what things have I done during the course of this game? What routines or, or what processes have I followed that we can't possibly disrupt? One of the things that I typically will do in a situation like this, knowing that the Sox are up, and if it is a pitching performance that is the, the main driver, if I have to get up and hit the pisser, I do that when the socks are hitting. I don't do it when the pitcher takes them out. That's a process. 
followed to a T yesterday. So um, I had been sitting you know, in a couple of different spots during the course of the game there, but by about the sixth inning was uh, sitting at, at some of the uh, high tables there, taking in the action. And so at that point, it was very obvious that that's where I was going to have to be stationed for the remainder of the game. Um, some of the boys in the peanut gallery were trying to get me back down into the seat. And I just said, hey, I also, you know, I also, I started the game in a seat uh, down, down low. And uh, they were, they were pressuring me back there too, Steve. But you know what? I kind of went through the same process as you because by about the third, fourth inning, I was, I was doing a lot of walking around. I was doing a lot of intermingling with people. Um, On two separate occasions, I had to remind you that your that your baby boy was at the plate. You know your parenting yes, skills. It was it was a it was a lot. It was a lot to have to deal with, Stephen. I will say this: there was multiple beverages that needed to be ordered. There was dessert carts and stuff that were coming through. It was you know there was a lot of responsibility there that I had to attend to, um, and and that's where I, I kind of noticed. I'm like, well, if I've been doing this the whole time. I got to keep doing it. I just have to, because if I stop now, things might change. So just like you, you got to keep, got to keep doing what you're doing. I was doing some uh, yard work when uh, uh, Lucas Giolito threw his no hitter. And I kept going, even though I was exhausted and listening to that and watching it in my garage, I was out in the front yard doing the same type of thing. I was like, I got to keep doing this until we reach the end. Um, so I was right there with you, man. And, and you're right. You did have to remind me a couple of two, three times that uh, my baby boy was up to bat. And I made it up to watch him. I made it up there to watch him. And, uh, you know, that's that's what matters. We're we're multitasking here. You know, on on family Sundays, it's just sometimes you got to you got to step up a little bit and you got to remind those close to you about what's important. And so I took it upon myself to make sure that as a parent, you were there to witness your baby boy stepping up to the dish. So I took that responsibility. I owned it. And I think I delivered in that circumstance. Yes. But absolutely. Great, great, greater overarching pointer, obviously, as we're talking about here, understanding that you can't fuck with superstition. It's only crazy if it doesn't work, as our boy Jonathan would say. And in these circumstances, you're talking about a no-hitter. You can't mess with that. So you got to keep doing what you're doing until it doesn't work. Absolutely, Steve. And obviously, it didn't quite pan out at the end, but that was a hell of a thrill ride uh, to be in attendance for, uh, not to mention uh, just the pilot on uh, late offense that I, I really liked to see. And then, uh, you know, while we're on that topic about- right there, there there's sure. one thing I, there's one thing I want to touch on here, um, specifically with Rocco Baldelli, mm-hmm. you know, in the eighth inning of this game, you're getting your asses handed to you nine to nothing. And you've got a position player out there pitching. You make a fucking pitching change mid batter to another position player. I don't ever want to fucking hear the Minnesota twins talk Ever again, Rocco Baldelli, anybody in that organization, talk about respecting the game. Kiss my fucking ass with this bullshit. You do a position player pitching change in the middle of an at-bat, kiss my ass. Just 
any chance you get now to just embarrass them on the field, every team in the league should do it. Yeah, that was a little nonsensical right there. Um, and you know what? I think the White Sox did a pretty good job of embarrassing them, uh, you know, to finish that out outside of uh, Luis Arise uh, hitting a ball into right field. Uh, but if that's the one thing that the Twins did good all day, Steve, I'll take it because we like Twins tears here at Sox on Tap. Steve, it was a wonderful win. We made it home safe. We had an excellent Uber ride home. And you were selecting the music and karaokeing the entire ride home. It was fantastic. I think I rated that that drive six stars. It was just phenomenal. So, Steve, it was a vibe. It was a vibe. It was. It was. It was a. It was an excellent ride home. Um, I can't remember our Uber driver's name. He was he a hell was, of a nice guy, though. I'll tell you he that he was a hell of a nice guy to let you just take his phone and, and DJ the entire ride home. It was. It was fantastic. We made it back. We consumed some pizza, and uh, we talked about that a little bit earlier. And uh, now we're here today. We've got uh, another baseball game that wasn't as nice, and we'll get through a couple of highlights here, Steve. Uh, Lucas, who's it? Gilito, gelato. What is it? Uh, uh, not not good. Lucas Gilito is what I'm looking for. I would say today was more, to use a wrestling term, more mid card. Giolito, it wasn't terrible, but it wasn't wasn't great. Falling behind in a lot because there was a lot a lot of traffic on, on on the bases, not a lot of clean innings out of him here today. That's really been par for the course with him for much of this season. Unfortunately, um, I wouldn't say there was a lot of high level swing and miss stuff from him. He was able to navigate some rough waters during the course of this game and, you know, put this team in a position to come back and win a baseball game, which unfortunately they weren't able to do, but just another start that kind of leaves you just wanting more. And we've seen far too much of that from Lucas this year. Yeah. I mean, the stat line wasn't bad. It's just, you know, if Joe Kelly and Davis Martin figured out a way through it, I expect Lucas Giolito to as well. Goes five innings, does strike out five, two walks, gives up six hits, two earned runs. For the most part, he kept his team in the ball game. Offense was a little sluggish compared to the days prior, Steve. Cause for concern or just happy with the two out of three here? Well, you know, for whatever the reason, um, Dylan Bundy is, you know, kind of becoming one of the – or joining the pantheon of scrub-tastic starting pitchers that just find a way to save their best for the White Sox. I mean, we're not quite at Bruce Chen level yet, but, you know, for whatever the reason, the last couple of years, Dylan Bundy sees that White Sox uniform, and all of a sudden he, uh, you know, turns into Tom Seaver out there. It doesn't really make any sense. Um, Just not a lot of quality at bats against him even. That was the thing that was a little troubling. You see this a lot, unfortunately, in baseball where you go out there and you have an offensive explosion one night and then the next day it just doesn't really carry over. A lot of people will joke and say, oh, you know, they should have saved some runs from the night before. And, you know, it's, you know, you can get a good chuckle out of that and everything, but just kind of, kind of is what it is. Um, You know, 
not really much else you can say. No, and the only inning that I really want to get to here, Steve, is the seventh. I was questioning what exactly happened there, considering you should have scored a lot more runs. That was really the only time we were sort of teased with here's a little bit of some offense and it could be a big inning. Crooked numbers. You you said it just a little while ago, how much you love them. Why was, why was there not a crooked number on the scoreboard for the White Sox in the seventh inning, Steve? You know, there was a very interesting sequence in there when A.J. Pollock hit the double and, you know, you had Adam Hazley pinch running out there. <laughs> Super Joe McEwing for as insanely ultra aggressive as he has been all year with guys that he really shouldn't be ultra aggressive with decided to be conservative with Adam Hazley, who really is only in uniform in Chicago at this point, because he does have pretty good speed. So the decision to not send him there was a little bit perplexing knowing who was on deck, the worst hitter in baseball that was allowed to once again come up in a situation with two runners in scoring position and the Sox trailing by one run. Now, obviously the Twins made a decision and Rocco Baldelli decided to go to his best reliever, uh, Johan Duran, in that particular spot, guy throwing 97 to 100 mile an hour splitters. And we're going to combat that with Larry Garcia. I'm not really sure what we're doing here. Yeah, I maybe, was, maybe maybe TLR called that one in from Arizona. I mean, if if you want to go down that route, go ahead. I just I didn't really see that, and I, I already see people piling on the, you know, oh, I'm over Miguel Cairo already because of these decisions and stuff like this, and, and you know, it, it's it's a little tiring at this point um, because I, I don't know I, I don't know what was going on there. I, why is Luis Robert not playing? Is he still hurt? I know he just came back from the paternity list. They were staying away from him. To, like, what's going on with that, Steve? It. It's well, just, Miguel Ky- Miguel oh, Cairo said before said before the game after he was reinstated from the paternity list that he's going to play tomorrow in Seattle, and that they just wanted to give him an extra day, um, which. You know, at this point, I mean, it, it kind of just is what it is. I mean, they're. They've been running out a short bench for what 14 days now at this point since you know Robert really was last playing regularly. So I don't really know what the hell they're doing um here right now. But you know, in that particular spot, um, again, you could have literally pinch hit anybody. You could have used Josh Harrison in that spot. Um you could have put anybody up there. And you chose Larry Garcia. Yep. I know this is a Larry slander free zone. It's not but, slander when it's true. But I was I was just mad that bunt did not did not help the Larry Garcia case at all, Steve. It, you got to execute there um, and just get another run across. I mean that changes the complexion of this ball game. Uh, if you are able to tie it up, keep the line moving, and they were unable to do that. And that's kind of how this thing ends as the White Sox fizzle out, just like the Lurie Garcia bunt that went directly back to the pitcher. And I believe that was Hazley who was coming home, Steve, because he wasn't sent on the play before. 
is tagged out at home. That play was reviewed. Didn't go the Sox way, but you had a sweep right there. That was your chance. Yeah, unfortunately it was. They um, they needed to come through in that particular spot. They weren't able to get that second run across because, you know, if you get into that particular position and you tie that game up at worst right there, that changes the bullpen decision-making process that you're going to make after that. Um, you know, you probably have Kendall Graveman go out there to start a fresh clean eighth inning to try to hold that thing in place, whether you're tied it to, or who knows, maybe even the Sox are able to scratch another run across and have a three, two lead. So it changes things uh, very significantly from that standpoint, but you know, it was what it was. Well, you also kind of emptied the pen a little bit today. Uh, you saw Lambert, Lopez, Deakman, Graveman, and Vinny Velo out there. And it wasn't really until, well, Deakman did give up a run, but I was going to say the wheels really fell off when uh, Vince came in this ball game, Steve. Well, that that's what I mean. You know, if you get if you get that second run right there, you probably don't see Velasquez in that particular spot. Um, you know, you've, you didn't use any of your bullpen yesterday. So you could go Kendall Graveman, you could go Liam Hendricks. You can use your high leverage relievers that well, you trust more. And and I, I look at this game, Steve Giolito, Lambert, Lopez, Deakman, Graveman, you're kind of on that bullpen, a squad path right there already. That game should have finished with Liam Hendricks. I agree. I agree. That's Not Vince Velasquez. Yeah, it, it was. It's on your offense for poor execution. That's yeah, why. It, it, it's definitely on your offense for poor execution, but also at the same time, it's on the decision-making process between Miguel Cairo, uh, Ethan Katz, and anybody else who was ultimately involved then in deciding not to keep that thing close at a two-to-one ball game. That's That's been one of the things that has been really frustrating with this team this season is that when they are behind in games, they seemingly will almost kind of wave the white flag with some of these bullpen decisions that are made. And it's very troubling. As we're talking about here, it's uh, September 4th. The calendar's not your friend anymore. So, you know, big difference when you've only got a one-run deficit versus what eventually became a four-run deficit. So makes it a lot harder, makes it a lot harder to come back. And yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm right there with you on this one. This is, it's a little bit interesting to see them still playing these things sort of conservatively, but overall, Steve Sox do lose this one, but they take two out of three. They've made up some ground in the AL central. I'm not exactly sure how the Cleveland Guardians get – oh, they are in extra innings. They are tied in the top of the 10th, and uh, Seattle's got runners on second and third with two outs. So, um, you know, unfortunately Seattle had a three-to-one lead in this. This is going to be fascinating here because there was a four-hour rain delay with this year. I wanted to talk about this. And so now the Mariners, you know, when when this – I mean, it's, you know, 10-20 Eastern time right now. I mean, if this game wants to go about 15 innings – and both these teams want to burn through their bullpens. I'm cool with that because the Mariners got to do a cross country flight then, you know. And it's a three a o'clock t- start. Yeah, it's a three a o'clock little- start tomorrow. 
or three forty, I think it is. Yeah, be a little bit tired out. You'd you'd hate to see that. Uh, that's a team that's hot. I think they won you know seven in a row coming into this game. So if they would, you know, let's let them get that eighth win right there. Complete the sweep in Cleveland. But let's take this thing about fifteen innings. Have both these teams burn through their bullpens. Um, Cleveland's you know got got a little bit of a break in the schedule with Kansas City coming into town for a three game set starting tomorrow. So you know, hey. Let, let's let's play some ball here. Let's get another five innings out of out of those two teams tonight. Yeah, I'm I'm looking at this right here to see. Looks like the benches have started to empty for some of these teams as well. At least the Mariners more than uh, the Guardians. Uh, but uh, yeah, the, the the bullpens have emptied significantly as well um, for uh, both of these teams. And you know, I'm looking at this. How many pitchers has the Mariners starter only lasted the first three because of this rain delay, the four hour rain delay. And they've had to kind of just patch this together inning by inning. You talk about this flight they're going to have to take. That's, that's going to be very, very fascinating to see how this plays out for the Chicago White Sox. Steve was actually about to text you about this before we hopped on here that if, and this was back when the game had just restarted, that it was going to be a problem but I'll take another hour of baseball here before the Mariners win and then uh, head on back because you know they're not going to get back until late. That 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 yeah. flight that was scheduled is already canceled. Yeah, and I mean, you look at it realistically, they're, they're not going to get back to Seattle. I mean, because from, you know, from Cleveland to Seattle, that's about a five, five-and-a-half-hour flight, I want to say. So, you know, it's 10-20 right now. If the game ends in the next 10 minutes here, Let's just say, okay, they're not getting on that plane until after midnight. So, you know, which, okay, 10 o'clock Pacific time, they're not getting off that plane in Seattle until three, four o'clock in the morning. So you're going to have a very tired, very weary team. Just got done with a long road trip here. This is an opportunity that the White Sox need to take advantage of, unfortunately. Yes. Um, you know, Marco Gonzalez is going to be on the mound for the Mariners. Lefty, we all know Sox have a propensity to do better offensively against left-handed starters versus righties. And knowing that they had to tax that bullpen, it would be really beneficial if White Sox hitters went up there with an approach, took some pitches, worked some counts, and found a way to get into that Mariner bullpen a little sooner than they would like because you could really set the tone for that series knowing if the Mariners have to burn through significant bullpen pieces consecutive days. That can have a significant impact on a three-game set. It absolutely can, and I, I didn't see how the Mariners, uh, you know, starting pitching kind of lined up into this one prior to today's game. I'm just doing some looking through the box score right now, Steve, but I, I like this, like it, because it gives us a little bit of an advantage going into tomorrow. And, uh, you know, you brought up who the Mariners will have on the mound. Let's talk a little bit about how our pitching aligns for this series up in the Pacific Northwest, Steve. The big bastard, Lance Lynn, going to be taking the mound. Lance has really been throwing the ball well his last four or five times out. One of the things that we've seen is, again, him changing his pitch mix 
sprinkling in the curveball with more frequency than he was earlier on in the season and throughout you know the first season and half of his White Sox tenure, you may just may see some more words about this on a little website known as untapsportsnet.com tomorrow leading into the ball game. Hint, hint. I like I like the hint drop here, Steve. I like the hint drop. All right. Got to pick to click for tomorrow. Yeah. So lefty on the mound, Andrew Vaughn loves lefties. You know, West Coast guy. Spent some time out playing in Seattle when he was at uh, Cal going to, going up against the University of Washington up there. So I think Andrew Vaughn, we're going to see Chapter 16 of the Vaughn Gone Summer. I, I would love that. I would love that. In fact, you stole my pick. I'm going to have to deviate plans here. Uh, let's see. You, they said Luis Roberts going to be back in the lineup. I don't know. It's been a long time since the R has been rolled, Stephen. I think I think I might have to take Luis Roberts, assuming he's in the lineup, because we need an we need an R roll, and there's been Are nothing you- deserving of an R roll in a while. So let's let's see if we can get an R roll tomorrow. We need to give the people what they want. Yes, that's what they came here for. Luis Robert and- R rolls. I'm Pick hoping there's off. an R roll tomorrow. Yes. I'm hoping there's an R roll tomorrow. I'm going with Luis Robert. Steve, series prediction. This is this is really tough for me because this team has really struggled on the West Coast for a couple of years now. Um, and the Mariners are a team that's hot. But the fact of the matter is. You know, you're not going to stay hot forever. Hawk Harrelson, the great, used to always say, it's not just who you play, it's when you play him. Well, you're getting the Mariners either at the peak of what could be potentially an eight-game winning streak or just coming off and getting snapped. Again, given some of the circumstances that are going into this game tomorrow, and then you get Johnny Cueto going in game two. I think maybe just maybe the Sox are going to find a way to get two out of three here against a good Seattle Mariners team. That's what I'm. That's what I'm thinking is going to happen as well, Steve. I think you've got a really good shot at taking the first two ball games, just like they did uh, with the Twins here, and and taking two out of three. Now the important thing is winning Game One of the series. We've just talked about why um, the the Mariners are going to come into this a little tired. I also kind of align with your thinking on this. If they're hot right now, what a better way for them to trip up during this little tear that they've been on by having this this rain delay today, late flight, come in, socks looking to continue to do some damage. You know Lance Lynn is going to be jacked up here. He's got all that emotion still. He can't wait to get on the mound and shove. So I think the Sox can take the first two in this series. That's what I'm going to go with my prediction. Have a, another set here where they take two out of three and you know keep making up a little bit of ground. Let's look around the Central, Steve. You already said Cleveland's got a little, uh, little uh, soft spot in their schedule. What do we got on tap for both of those teams here, the Cleveland Guardians and the Minnesota Twins? Well, 
you know, Cleveland is going to kind of luck out here, getting to go against the Kansas City Royals. The Minnesota Twins, on the other hand, get to go up against the New York Yankees. And it's a four-game set. There are a few guarantees in life. Death, taxes, and the Twins embarrassing themselves against the Yankees. Yankees had a bad August. They were sub-500. What better time and what better circumstance for them to start playing a little bit of better ball than to see that stupid-ass TC logo come into town and just Aaron Judge, if you want to hit eight home runs in the next four games, get yourself to 60, have at it. Have at it, my friend. Yeah, it's not going to be easy for, for Minnesota here, and we'll we'll be keeping an eye on some of this stuff. Steve, we obviously don't know the conclusion yet of the Cleveland uh, and Mariners game, but if I take a look at the standings, and you were talking about this uh, you know, last night on the Uber ride home in between uh, various renditions of of different songs that you were karaokeing, but the Sox currently sit two and a half back of Cleveland at the top. Minnesota is a half game back of Cleveland right now. This is going to change by night's end uh, one way or the other in a half game swing for both of these teams. Now, we hope the Mariners do take it, but again, should they not, the Sox are going to be sitting three back, but also four back in the loss column. Steve, I want you to talk a little bit about that before we wrap today's show. That has been a very hot button issue on Twitter.com in the last couple of days to talk about the loss column. For those people who just maybe aren't conceptualizing why this is important, well, at the end of the day, if you are – you know, the, the, the Guardians have two games in hand on the White Sox right now, okay? So that is significant in the sense that if the Sox had the same number of losses as the Guardians, they'd be in a much better spot. However, the fact that the Sox have those additional losses that have been tacked onto their record already can, can have an impact because the Sox can't make that up. You, you can't make up games in the loss column. You can make up games in, in the left-hand column that we talk about. If the Sox had a game in hand and they were a half game out of first, all you got to do is win the next day's game and you're tied. If that half game difference is because of the loss column, you can't make that up. There's nothing you can do there. The, wor- the worst that or the best that you can do in that situation is if you win another game, you're still going to have more losses. So that's why this matters. So for all the consternation that has been happening in the sphere of Sox Twitter, it is important. It does matter. And it is something that you do have to be aware of at this point, especially knowing that we've got, what, 28, 29 games left at this point. So yeah, time is Steve, of the I mean, here. I, I understand what you're, what you're putting down. I do also know that at the end of this, all these teams should have played the same amount of games. The Sox just need to continue to win and win and win and win and hope that Cleveland continues to lose. That's how they're, they, but the, the, the moral of this story, at least in my, in my mind is 
you still have to you still have to get these wins in, but you don't control your own destiny, so to speak, mm-hmm. until the schedule kind of evens itself out. Exactly. Now that that will happen one way or the other, but what you got to look for is Cleveland losing on days where the Sox don't play. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that that's definitely a key right there. We're gonna see two of those days next week because the Sox have that weird two game set with Col- well actually actually well it'll only be one because there is the makeup game in Cleveland on the 15th now mm-hmm. so you know next and that's Monday that's a big game that's oh, a that's big gonna be, game that's going that's going to be huge right there um you know so on Monday when the Sox are off uh when they get back from Oakland you know Cleveland's going to have a game on that day and if the Guardians go out there and lose that's a great scenario right there it is that will help the Sox pick up ground in the standings keep winning and uh hope that cleveland keeps losing now i've i've heard big names it was frank thomas razi gian say that they predict that this comes down to the twins and the white Sox, and that cleveland will beat themselves out of this are you of that camp right now steve they are still in the lead of the a house central how do you think this sort of shakes out over these final weeks of the season? You know, the disgusting brand of ball that Cleveland plays is one that is very irritating to watch. And I would have thought that by this point here on September 4th that, you know, they would have kind of already been in a position where they weren't leading the division. So to see them in this spot now, right now, is still a little bit surprising to me. Um, and the fact of the matter is they've got the best manager in the division who consistently finds a way to win with less than any other team. So that is something that will be worth watching here because uh, Terry Francona is one of the best. He's got, he's going to have a plaque in Cooperstown when it's all said and done. So I generally don't discount them the way some other people do, but I, this is probably going to come down to a little bit of a three-way dogfight in the end. And what's going to be fascinating is that next weekend, the Twins and the Guardians are going to be beating up on each other. Or, excuse me, for the next two weekends, actually, those two teams are going to be beating up on each other here. They've got eight games over the next two weekends here. So it's going to really be incumbent upon the Sox next weekend when they're in Oakland. They have to take advantage of that. Um, you got to find a way to win at least three of those games at the Coliseum, which has been a house of horrors for this team for about 25 years now at this point. So you need to break that. Maybe take another sip of beer there talking about White Sox baseball in the Coliseum. I know, I know, I know. But um, if there was ever a time to write that ship, this would be it when you've got the two teams you're chasing going head to head against each other. So you've got a chance to make up ground against both of them, depending on the outcome of that series right there. Um, the worst thing that could really happen though, is if you have Cleveland or Minnesota sweep, and then if the Sox don't take yep. care of business in Oakland, and then all of a sudden now you're, you're in a much worse spot. Yeah. And the white Sox are going to have to just do the best that they can against Oakland. Like you said, um, while those two are, are beating up on each other, there's a lot of stuff to watch down the stretch here, Steve, and we'll, we'll be covering it all here at Sox on Tap. Uh, I don't really have much else. I, I think this is going to come down to the final week of the season, Steve, and it's just going to continue to be 
as stressful as it has pretty much all year. I think that's kind of what we've signed ourselves up for. Uh, just one last check on the uh, the Guardians out here in Seattle. Still 3-3. We're in the bottom of the 10th. The bases are loaded with two outs. So that game should be coming to a close soon. But uh, Hopefully not. Is- Hopefully not. Let's get another four yeah, innings out of it. Get another four innings out of it. That's what we're hoping for here. Let's let's uh, hope that Matthew Boyd can can get an out and uh, continue this thing for a little bit longer because you know we want that. Steve, I don't have anything else. It was a fantastic weekend for the White Sox in all intents and purposes. Here, I know that they should have and could have taken that third game, but sometimes in baseball things happen. Um, I was pretty satisfied with it. It's time to close this thing down and hopefully talk about a lot more White Sox winners so we can drink victory beers on the show going forward here, Steve. That's all we have for today. Be sure you're going to ontapsportsnet.com for all your Chicago sports literature and podcasting needs. Steve's hinted that he might have an article ready to go in the morning. See what that's all about. Steve, any final thoughts? Take care of business against the Twins, two out of three. You'd love to see it. Keep the momentum going. Been hitting the ball out of the ballpark here the last four or five days. It would behoove this team to continue doing so. You got to step it up. You got to clean up, play sound, crisp, fundamental baseball because your caliber of opponent is going to be significantly elevated these next three days against the Seattle Mariners. Play up to the competition. I think you, you you started that off very well this weekend with the Twins. Not that the Twins are a better baseball team than you, but they're ahead of you in the standings. Continue to treat these things like playoff games. Go win and take care of business like my guy Steve said. That's all I've got. White Sox forever. White Sox for life.